0: Hello, everybody. It's September 3rd, and this is the One-Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast, where we are reading portions from the Old and New Testaments following the One-Year Bible reading plan that ensures that we get through the entire Bible in 365 days. You can follow along with us by listening, or you can follow along by reading with us, getting a copy of Bibles that are arranged this way. The One Year Bible, or going online at the oneyearbibleonline.com website. You can also go to our website, newlife.org, and subscribe to our daily email, which lists the daily scripture readings and the corresponding commentaries to help you understand and apply what we read. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. And years ago, I started to write a simple commentary on the Bible for our grandkids, After I completed this, we started to share it with others who said that it benefited them richly. It was later suggested that we start a daily podcast where we can read the Bible with these portions from the Old and New Testaments, Psalms, and Proverbs, and explain them more fully in order to help people understand and develop a consistent discipline of reading, meditation, and prayer. And this is what we have done this year, and today we are on episode 246. We are now in the 21st book of the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes, which must be understood for what it is. The name Ecclesiastes refers to a teacher, preacher, speaker, or as I like to call it, a reporter. The Hebrew word is koheleth. The reporter is believed to be Solomon. He is giving a report as he sees it, from a natural man's viewpoint. It is Solomon's report of how life is perceived under the natural light of the sun apart from divine revelation. He examines the possibility that life might have meaning in and of itself without God's existence, and discovers that it does not, and he should know because he tried everything. His conclusion is that within the limits of human reason, apart from God's self-revelation, all is meaningless, all is vanity. What does he mean by this? As we have been reading through the Bible, we have learned not to pull verses out of context, but to read everything in its Proper historical, situational, and literary context. Solomon's report does not tell the full story. His report is inspired, his report is accurate, but according to divine revelation, it is not entirely true. Let me illustrate. We have just read through the book of Job. In the book of Job, we had the speeches of Job and his friends, who had a limited and sometimes false understanding. Not everything they said was correct. Therefore, not everything written in the book of Job is true. The Lord tells them that their view was incorrect in the last chapter. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we have the report of Solomon examining life from a naturalistic, humanistic viewpoint. He concludes that all is vanity, and yet we know that this is a false conclusion as we take in what God has said in accordance with the rest of His word. For example jesus told us the meaning of life when he prayed to his father saying this is eternal life that they may know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent john chapter 17 verse 3. as one writer larry richards put it quote, inspiration guarantees the accuracy of solomon's report of his process and conclusions not that his conclusions reflect the reality we know through Scripture's fuller revelations of God and His good purposes for mankind, quote. Solomon's report that life is meaningless is not true if we take into account what God has to say about it. So let's read the book of Ecclesiastes with a fresh appreciation for how meaningful life is when we walk in a light that is greater than what is gained by reason and sense knowledge alone. We have the light of revelation through the Word of God. So let's start reading, beginning with Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we will read through to the end of chapter 6. Evil Under the Sun Ecclesiastes chapter 4 Again I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors there was power, and there was no one to comfort them and i thought the dead who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive but better than both is he who has not yet been or has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun then i saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor this also is vanity and a striving after wind the fool folds his hand and eats his own flesh because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and who has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and a striving after wind." Chapter 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore let your words be few, for a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. The Vanity of Wealth and Honour if you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness do not be amazed at the matter for the high official is watched by a higher and there are yet higher ones over them but this is gain for a land in every way a king committed to cultivated fields he who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income this also is vanity CHAPTER Six, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity, it is a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children, and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the one place? All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have, who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity, and a striving after wind. Whatever has come to be, has already been named, and it is known what man is and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament passage today from the book of Ecclesiastes. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon Solomon's report how he is perceiving the world around him within the limits of human reason and empirical knowledge. The teacher, that is the reporter, preacher, quester, speaker, the Koheleth, is giving his perspective on society in chapter 3, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 3. He observes injustice in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, oppression in chapter 4, verse 1, Depression, in chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, competition, in chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and work addiction, in chapter 4, verse 8. He observes the need for cooperation, in chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor, for if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion, but woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore if two lie down together they keep warm but how can one be warm alone and if one can overpower him who is alone two can resist him a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 through 12 He recognizes the games that people play as they jockey for power not only in the political arena of the palace but also in the religious circle of the pious in chapter 4 verse 13 through chapter 5 verse 7. As the Koheleth takes us from the palace to the temple, we see that there are people in the temple who have no sense of what worship is all about. They are going through the motions, not really knowing who God is. They are also quick to make promises that they can't keep, which is typical of those who live under legalism. Chapter 5 verses 2 through 7. The reporter is giving us a documentary of the vanity of the lifestyles of the rich and famous. There are several dysfunctions that accompany wealth. Aloofness in chapter 5 verses 8 and 9, addiction in chapter 5 verses 10 through 11, and anxiety in chapter 5 verse 12. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. Vanity. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what is the advantage to their owners except to look on? Chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. The reporter also adds that money brings additional problems. Where do you put it? In verse 13. How do you manage it? In Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. It can be lost in chapter 5, verse 14. It will be lost in chapter 5, verse 15. Many have difficulty enjoying the wealth that they have in chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. The reporter encourages those who hear him to enjoy the good things that God gives in chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. The ability to enjoy what God gives us is a gift. Some people have the wealth, but not the gift of being able to enjoy it in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. The vanity of the world system is clearly proclaimed in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 7. All a man's labor is for his mouth and yet the appetite is not satisfied. The reporter asks questions. Who is better off? It is not necessarily the one who has the greatest wealth. It is most likely the one who has a capacity to enjoy what he or she has. This is contentment. We need to question what we find ourselves desiring in life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 6 verses 8 and 9. The futility of life without Christ is described well in this chapter. It was considered a sign of God's favor to have abundant wealth and a large family. Yet, if at the end of life there is no one who loves you and laments your death, were you truly blessed? In Ecclesiastes 6, verses 3-6, through Good things and the ability to enjoy them come from God. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes his protege Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Death is a certainty. How do you respond to God's grace in this life is of the greatest importance. Chapter 6 concludes with the realization that our own understanding is finite and limited. We think we know what constitutes the good life, but we don't. We don't know how the achievements and contributions we make in our lifetimes will be remembered, appreciated, or interpreted in the future. These are all the more reasons to live rightly related to God under the Word, having our heart's understanding enlightened by the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Now let's move on to the New Testament portion of our reading today the Apostle Paul's Second Letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, chapter 6. Verses 14 through chapter 7, verse 7. The Temple of the Living God Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and i will be their god and they shall be my people therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them says the lord and touch no unclean thing then i will welcome you and i will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me says the lord almighty chapter seven since we have these promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. I do not say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort. In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, for we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without, and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by His coming, but also by the comfort with which He was comforted by you, as He told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament passage, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. In this passage, the Apostle Paul clearly expounds the dangers of an unequal yoke. Just as two different kinds of animals cannot wear the same yoke in a united task, so two people who do not share the same life, faith, values, and fundamental goals should not join in marriage or a business enterprise. The concept of the unequal yoke comes from Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 10. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together, The ox and the donkey have two different natures and would not work well together. We are made for fellowship with God and fellowship with the saints. Notice how Paul uses words that emphasize harmony, concord, and agreement. The biblical doctrine of separation is not the same thing as isolation. We are in the world, but not of it. Paul reminded the Corinthians in his first letter that we do not yoke ourselves with the unbelieving world, yet we do bring the gospel into that world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9-11, through 11, we read, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world, or with the covetous and swindlers, or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Paul's call for separation is similar to the call of the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 52 verse 11, Depart, depart, go out from there, touch nothing unclean, go out of the midst of her, purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. This call to pursue holiness continues through to the beginning of chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 reads, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Paul continues to defend his integrity as a minister of the gospel. He did not want his example to mislead others or cause them to stumble. He lists the many trials that he endured for them. He was not a fair-weather friend. His commitment to them was evident in the sufferings and sacrifices that he endured on their behalf. Now let's move to the book of Psalms, our next stop on our Bible reading tour, Psalm 47, verses 1 through 9. God is King over all the earth. To the choirmaster, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Psalm
1: 47 will be read by Peter Healy. Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy, for the Lord the Most High is to be feared a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Thank you, Peter.
0: In Psalm 46, we saw God as a refuge and present help in times of trouble. He is worthy of our trust. In Psalm 47, we see God as the great ruler, and He is worthy of our obedience. He subdued nations on our behalf, and in His great love, He wrote us into His last will and testament, winning our inheritance for us. Exuberant praise is due Him. We praise Him with musical instruments, with clapping and song, with standing ovations and shouts of joy there is nothing humdrum for us here god is the king of all the earth reigns over all the nations is seated on the throne and all the kings of the earth belong to him he is the sovereign lord and is greatly exalted clap your hands all you nations shout to god with cries of joy now for our final stop on our bible reading tour today we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 22, verse 16. This is a good proverb to enlighten the way we treat people. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth, or gives to the rich, will only come to poverty. This is a helpful reminder to be wise in the way that we use our wealth, considering our motives, the outcomes, and especially whether we are truly benefiting the lives of those around us. Now let's take what we have gleaned from our reading today with a thankful heart that we've been delivered from vanity and praise the God of all grace. Father, every good thing given and every perfect gift comes from you. May these gifts never take the place of you, the giver, in our affections. You alone are God. Thank you for your self-revelation in the Word. In Christ Jesus, you have provided for our reconciliation, our peace, our victory, and our eternal inheritance. May we never tire of discovering new mercies. Inspire us to fresh obedience and exuberant praise. Bless our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, and may we be an enduring testimony to the oneness, the faithfulness, and the grace we have received. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as they say in the filming industry, that's a wrap. This concludes our reading for today from the One Year Bible, and I trust that you have been encouraged. God willing, we will be back again tomorrow, and we will glean from the Bible's wisdom literature and also the corrective letters of the Apostle Paul. If you would like to know more about New Life Community Church and New Life's ministries and how you can be a support, you can go to our website, newlife.org, You can also subscribe there to a written copy of our commentary on each day's portion from the Bible. And you are welcome to contact us by email writing podcast at newlife.org if you have any questions or comments you want to share with us. So until next time, we commend you to God and to the word of his grace, knowing that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Remember, he's not finished with us yet. May your heart be at peace. Shalom.